0: Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we will mostly be answering all of your questions. We will also cover uh, some of the FA Cup games that happened uh, because there were no Premier League games this week since we last recorded. So we'll, we'll get into it with the FA Cup games. Uh, um, Justin, before
1: we start. Should let everyone know today is Justin's 22nd birthday. So happy birthday, Justin. And uh, thank thank you you for spending time out of your birthday to record this podcast with me.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And no no better way to spend my birthday. So let's jump
1: into it, into the FA Cup, Justin. Um, We had a couple Premier League v Premier League matchups. We had at least one notable team that were knocked out. But seeing as it is your birthday, let's start with something to celebrate for you, Justin. Manchester City, uh, going on the road and just putting on a clinic.
0: Yeah, I mean, against Swindon Town, that's pretty much what you expect, isn't it? Um, but, but I mean, this, the lineup that we put out was a, a high-quality lineup. I mean, Cole Palmer is really the only uh, academy kid that was out there. And, I mean, what a game he had. He was man of the match. Uh, goal, assist, really top-notch play from him i mean his goal was incredible he, he hit it off the crossbar and the post somehow um beautiful finish opening up his hips and uh, finishing it with the left foot and then yeah just a, a clinical 4-1 win cruising to the next round for city
1: yeah and it was a great goal from cole palmer but it was arguably probably not even the best goal of that match because that free kick from ilkay gundawan was just perfection kissed it yeah. right off the inside of the post um, you just can't really place it much better than that in the bottom corner, which is just really difficult for a keeper to get down to. And you know, I think Gunduan in general has has gone, you know, not underappreciated, but a bit under the radar because I genuinely think you'll be hard pressed to find a better number eight in the Premier League than uh, than El Gunduan.
0: Yeah, he's so class. You you almost got to blame the keeper maybe for setting up his wall because I mean, Gunduan just passed it right around that wall into that corner.
1: Yeah, it had some good whip on it, though. Like, he definitely had to move it around the wall. It wasn't definitely. just a straight
0: shot. Definitely was, yeah. But, yeah, and I then, mean,
1: Gunawan, I I remember, I was just going to say, I remember when Gunawan came to City, and I had watched him in Dor- at Dortmund and knew he was a good player, and he didn't, it, you know, it took him a little while to, to, to kind of settle in, but the last few seasons, he's just been lights out, so.
0: Yeah, one of those lucky players who's been able to play under Klopp and Pep. And then we can move to your game, uh, which was – a very exciting game, of course, three two against Hull city Garrett.' walk us through that one. That was tense
1: well, lineups came out um, Mikolenko making his first appearance for the club. Obviously, the Dean replacement brought in before Luca even leaves. Um, so he started we were playing Seamus Coleman at right center back in a three at the in, in a five at the back. It, it just i don't understand it. Um, and we conceded immediately, 45 seconds into the game. Uh, Tyler Smith scored ahead of her whole city. Everton have conceded nine goals from set pieces so far this season. We only conceded seven in the entirety of last season under Enchilade. So that's a huge problem at the moment. But it was just a, a class, class goal to equalize it. Damari Gray taking it down with like almost like a scorpion touch. Plays a lovely little one-two with Anthony Gordon slots at home. Um, and then it was Andre Gomez of all people getting his second goal for the club from a header and but hole wouldn't go away. And Everton wasted a lot of chances. And then Ryan Longman scored just a a fantastic curling goal, nothing that Begovic could do. And by the way, Begovic had a really good game. He made a couple of really good saves. Um, And we went to extra time and it was Andros Townsend who came on the pitch as a substitute, um, you know, less than a month after breaking his foot against Crystal Palace and, and, in a post-game interview, he said that he knew he could not shoot the ball on his left foot because he could further damage it. Um, and so he took a strike on his right, which the keeper should have saved and didn't. And it went in and that ended up winning it for us. So obviously, you know, I'll, I'll take advancing and you know, I'll take the goal from Townsend, but why was he playing, man? If he can't shoot the ball on his strong foot, he shouldn't be on the pitch. So I've been having a lot of conversations on Twitter about that today. Um, but to be honest, this game was made so much more difficult than it needed to be for Everton. It was a just a comedy of managerial errors by Benitez—just boneheaded substitutions, awful team selection, tactically just ignorant. Um, so a very—it felt like a very hollow victory for us. But I'm sure it was very entertaining for for the neutral.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good question. Why is he playing when he thinks he can't even shoot with his strong foot? It's definitely a question there for sure. Um, We had a few games between Premier League teams. Leicester City cruising to a 4-1 win against Watford. Uh, West Ham beating Leeds United 2-0. And then Manchester United uh, taking care of Aston Villa earlier today. 1-0, which was, yeah, Aston Villa catch a break in that game, really. They put a couple in the back of the net. uh, But they were ruled off with VAR offside. And uh, Watkins put one off the bar. So, yeah, definitely... uh, Struggles there, but United able to get through, even though not playing their best game.
1: No, I th- I thought Villa was a better team for the, for the majority of the game for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we had a couple Premier League teams actually go out as well. Three of them: Burnley, Newcastle, and then a big one in Arsenal going down to Nottingham Forest. Arsenal have lost in the uh, third round of the FA Cup two times in the past twenty six years both times they've been away to Nottingham Forest.
1: That is a stat. Wow, I did not not hear that. That's great. I mean, Nottingham Forest have some talent in their squad. There's a youngster by the name of Brennan Johnson, their number 20 really highly rated prospect. I know a lot of Evertonians who want us to bring him in due to our just insane lack of uh, creativity in the squad right now. And, you know, from what I saw, he he put in a, a great shift. And then it was Lewis Graben of all people coming off the bench to find the goal for Nottingham Forest. That's crazy. I was texting one of my friends who's an Arsenal fan, and he was saying, oh, you know, we didn't play good players a lot. I said, yeah, well, you conceded to Lewis Graben in 2022, so you probably didn't deserve to go through anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of the Premier League teams were, were able to find a way through. Uh, the other big story was a Kittermeinster, who the only non-league team left, uh, making it through after beating Reading 2-1, Major scenes in the in their locker room. If you've seen those videos after the game, getting through to the fourth round of the FA Cup, very big for them.
1: Big story, great story.
0: Yeah, that's that's those are the reasons you love the cup, right? Because you you get those big teams losing to the little ones. Uh, Not that Reading are a huge team, but they're a good good team. Shouldn't be losing to non-league teams, and it's fun to see that happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of when Tottenham Hotspur went to Marine AFC which is a non-league club in Liverpool. And the Marine Twitter admin was saying, like, Gareth Bale has just entered the pitch at the Marine Stadium. Gareth Bale.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it, it's fun for those, for those teams because they get to host. I mean, even, even for Swindon Town, right, hosting Manchester City, that's really fun for them. They Obviously, it's also really big for the club, right? They take a lot of money off those, off those games. Um, so, yeah, reasons to it's, love it's the a cup. big
1: exposure, you know. Exactly.
0: Exactly right.
1: And and they celebrated that consolation goal like it was a last-minute winner. They sure did. And with that, Justin, I think we can move into some questions, the first of which relates to what we were just discussing. And it comes from our good friend, Abi. and he says, what are your predictions for who wins the FA Cup and who wins the Carabao Cup? Obviously, we're into the semifinals of the Carabao Cup. We had that first leg between Chelsea and Spurs, so that will obviously inform our guesses for who will win the carabao cup chelsea winning that two nil at home and then we have the second leg at the tottenham hotspur stadium um, i believe it's next week um, so justin fa cup carabao cup who do you see winning uh
0: yes so for me the the carabao cup i will say liverpool um, i think that it will be a liverpool chelsea final and I think Liverpool will find a way uh, to win that game. But, you know, it could go either way. I mean, that's going to be an exciting final if, if that is to be the final. Um, but, yeah, I, I will choose Liverpool in that one. Even though, well, yeah, dip, maybe not because, well, yeah, they'll, they'll have they'll a have, uh, Salah and Mane back by then, right? So, yes. They, I, well, I will,
1: they, they have to get through Arsenal without Salah and Mane. And that's why I've gone for Chelsea because I think Arsenal are going to find a way – to, to beat Liverpool without their attack, really. They'll just have Jota up there. I, I wonder if they'll start Jota on the wing and then have Firmino up top. Either way, I'm going to predict an Arsenal upset. I think we're going to have a Chelsea-Arsenal final, um, oh, wow. a rematch of the FA Cup final a couple of years ago, and I think Chelsea will win that. So I'm going for Chelsea.
0: I like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, well, because the, the Liverpool-Arsenal first leg got postponed, right, because of a bunch of false positive tests, which is now an investigation being uh, done into that.
1: Yeah, but, but it was postponed to this Thursday, just a few days from now. So Salon Mane will still not be there. And then the second leg is on the twentieth, just a week later. So next yeah. Thursday.
0: And it's so a, It's yeah. a bit weird the, that the, the Arsenal Liverpool first leg is happening after the second leg of the Chelsea Spurs.
1: Well, yeah, it was supposed to happen I think it was either day the day before or the day after that first leg of the Chelsea Spurs game, but obviously postponed and then you know, But I, I think either way, Liverpool are not going to have Salon Mane or Keita. Not that he's anywhere near as important as the other two. But that's why I think Arsenal, especially off the back of losing in the FA Cup um, to, to non Forest, I think they're going to have a little bit of fire in their belly. I think they'll play the strongest team that they can. And, and I think they're going to find a way to upset Liverpool. That's my prediction.
0: And then in the FA Cup, we got a lot longer to go, a lot further, a lot more way to go in that one. Of course, we got a lot of teams remaining. But... Uh, so more difficult prediction, but for me, I mean, bias, of course, right? But Manchester City, I will, I will say, will win the FA Cup.
1: Yeah. No, not really bias, Justin, because that's exactly what I went with, too. (laughs) I, I I don't see, you know, you guys getting knocked out of the Carabao Cup for the first time in like five years or whatever it was. I think that Pep is going to take the FA Cup really seriously because of that, you know, guarantee some silverware, although you, you know, look very likely to win the Premier League as well, but, um, I think the fact that the Carabao is off means that you guys will try even harder in the FA Cup. So I'm going to go for City. I think that's a pretty safe bet.
0: Yes, City putting out a, a strong lineup, um, as usual, shows that how, how much we value. Pep wasn't there, of course, because he has COVID, but um, right. still, still I'm sure he had a say in that lineup.
1: And speaking of Manchester City, Justin, our next question comes in from Zilla, of course, always contributing, so thank you to him. And he says, besides Holland and Vlaovic, who are some number nines that Manchester City should be looking at? Um, I think we'll get kind of the elephant in the in the room is is Harry Kane, right? So that's got to be kind of – I think that's the clear three you'd be looking at. I think we both agree that Holland is by far the best option out of those three. But, Justin, do you have any other names besides those kind of most obvious ones right there?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really hard to pick one because it has to be somebody who's either young enough that they can – rise to be one of the best or somebody who's clinically one of the best in the world right now. Um, there's obviously been Lewandowski rumors as well. I don't see that happening. No, um, me neither. And, and I really don't see Kane happening anymore. Although, you know, maybe his price has dropped since the summer a little bit with the poor form he's been in this season. So you never know there, but yeah, I think Holland and Vlahovic are, are definitely, um, the, the two front runners there and, and Holland should really be the, the main option. Um, with yeah, the, and
1: and, and, and right. I was just going to say, Rezology also asked us, you know, which one do we think City will sign? Um, I don't see why you guys wouldn't get Holland. I, I just think it makes sense, obviously, with his father and that history at City. And then also, you know, you guys just mm-hmm. sold Ferran Torres. You're going to have money to spend. You know, the release clause comes into effect, so it's not even going to be like the wages are probably going to be the biggest expense out of that. So I, I just don't see a reason that city don't get Holland, honestly
0: the wages and the Mino riola fee as well oh Oh, yeah that's that's a good point it's gonna be fat but um but yeah I mean I'm moving from one question to the next I mean Niall asks thoughts on Holland possibly going to Madrid do you think it'll happen or do you think he will be enticed if City win the Champions League uh and will he will turn his head well I think that's that's a good point because if City win the Champions League of course that that would I'm sure would entice Holland even more to come but I mean, Madrid are certainly the, the competition, um, for city in terms of getting a Holland, in my opinion, the thing is, is that can they really pull off getting Mbappe and Holland if they have Mbappe, Holland and Vinicius as their front three for the next what decade that is disgusting. But
1: I also think Mbappe is going to want to play as a striker. I don't think Mbappe is going to want to move back to the wing personally, um, So I mean I think I think Madrid will get Mbappe. I do not think they'll get Holland as well. I think I think Holland to City makes more sense, regardless of when of whether you win the Champions League. And to make a American sports uh, comparison here, Justin, I almost think not winning the Champions League could also entice Holland, a la Kevin
0: Durant to the Warriors. Ah interesting yeah well of course i mean he if he comes to city right and then he's the one to propel them because he, he has a great record in the champions league of course scoring goals so if he can yeah. you know carry them if he can score the champions league winning goal that's for for manchester city's first champions league that would make him a legend immediately right
1: yeah yeah it would and we might as well knock out these city questions while they're here Justin. we've got one <laughs> from ginger who says thoughts on the rumors of city looking to Arteta or Vieira as potential PEP replacements. Do you think they're at a high enough level? Um, I'll go ahead on this one and say no. Um, because you know, PEPs timeline of leaving is what Justin like two years from now about. Yep. Um, I don't think Arteta or Vieira will be ready by then. Do I think Arteta or Vieira could be ready in ten years' time? Yeah, sure, maybe. Why not? I think Arteta is doing a good job, but do I think he's ready to take over City? Who, you know, despite having Pep Guardiola as the manager, still have been unable to win a Champions League. No, I don't think Arteta is good enough, and that's going to be the goal: is to be winning titles, winning the Champions League, winning cups. I don't think Arteta is at that level yet, and Vieira has literally, you know, just started his career in. Uh, the top five leagues, obviously Arteta as well. It's his first job, but he's been at Arsenal for a little bit now. But you know, Vieira was in MLS and whatnot, and now he's you know just started at Palace, and they've been <clears throat> quite inconsistent, is is what I'll say about Palace. So, I think Arteta and Vieira could be good in the future, but as a direct replacement for Pep, no.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's a good point. I mean. Arteta, part of the reason that he, he was so reluctant to leave City, right, is because he was, you know, that number two, he was um, thought about in, in a Pep successor kind of role. But it, it is a question, can he do that? I, I'm always one who has backed Arteta since, since he went to Arsenal throughout his tenure at Arsenal so far, um, even when everyone was Arteta out, when he was not succeeding at first. Um, I've, I've always continued to back him, so I'm not one to complain about Arteta, but I see that that is questionable. Vieira definitely is a, a no for me. Um, he's a lot more to prove uh, for sure to be ready for that uh, level of uh, managerial role. Uh, Brendan Rogers, of course, is the other guy who has been rumored, uh, who I also... Obviously, he has a lot more experience than these other two guys, uh, so that, that lends in his favor, but to me, I don't know if Brendan Rogers is ready either. Um, I think Ten Hag might be the guy because
1: I, that's he, a great shout i love that i i really like ten hog
0: yeah I, I i see that uh really being the most likely option if i had to pick who i think it will be right now i would say ten hog but obviously there's time uh to go until then and things can happen but yeah it, it's a really good question because i, I definitely don't think beer is up to it yet and i think arteta still has Uh, some more time to develop himself as the number one right because it is his first you know major job so i i think that is that is it and then we can move on to another city question uh this time from charlie what players from the big six squads should get into the city 11 or would get into the city 11?
1: I mean, we don't even have to say the big six squads. Cause I think there, there isn't really going to be a player outside of the top six that would get in anyway. So what players not playing for city would get into cities starting 11, Justin, I have three. How many do you have?
0: Uh, I have two.
1: Okay. So I think our two are going to be the same. What are, what, what are your two?
0: Yeah, Harry Kane and Mohamed Salah, I think, are are no brainers. Essentially, uh, would get into the city squad. Um, I have I have a couple maybe's as well. So I'm curious if if my maybe's are are your third one.
1: So yeah, I also have Kane and Salah. Right, it, it's pretty obvious the two arguably arguably the weakest positions in city squad. Not that red Mahrez is anything to scoff at. Right, fantastically talented player, um, and and can just be a world beater on his day. Right. Yeah.
0: I don't think wing is really a a problem for city. They have, no, it's not
1: a problem, but Sala is still an upgrade because he's the best player in the world at the moment. So
0: yeah, he's
1: going to get in, he's going to get into any 11 in the world at the moment. So um, I've gone for N'Golo Conte, Justin. I I just, he's just too good not to, and I like Rodri and you know, Fernandinho has been a fantastic servant, obviously not at the peak of his game anymore, as we talked about, you know, is he finished a few weeks ago and whatnot from listener questions. But Justin, it's just, I look at N'Golo Conte's stats of, uh, compared to all midfielders. People think, Oh, he's just a, a, a ball winner. He's just a disruptor, which is true. 3.18 tackles per game, 2.6 interceptions, 2.24 blocks per game. That's the 92nd, 95th and 93rd percentile among midfielders respectively. But also Justin, he's so good at progressing the ball. You know, he, he is in the 88th percentile for progressive passes across all midfielders, right? And he's, this is him playing at the six. He's 89th percentile in terms of progressive carries, 6.23. He's 98th percentile for dribbles completed across midfielders, 2.29 per 90. The dude is just different class. He's getting in cities starting 11. I, I don't really care what you say. I don't think there's an argument against it.
0: Well, here, here's what I'll say. I think prior to this season, I would have put him in the no-brainer category with Kane and Salah, uh, and he's just absolutely getting into the City team. But excuse me, this season, Rodri has been better than he has this season. So that's where that's where I struggle, right? Because overall, like in the in the past prior to this season, absolutely, Conte has been better, and Rodri hasn't hasn't been uh, incredible, really. hasn't been a world beater. Prior to the season, but this season, I mean, Rodri has been arguably City's best player up there with Cancelo, so that that's where I I struggle.
1: I'm, I'm looking. I'm just. I'm looking at the stats right now, Justin, and they're just not comparable. And this is over the last 365 days, so including this season as well, right back half of last season and all of this season thus far, and the only places Rodri has Conte beat is in passes attempted and pass completion percentage and outside of that. Oh, and aerials. But other than that, Conte destroys Rodri in all of these, all of these defensive measures, progressive passes and dribbles, um, in non, non non-penalty expected goals. Um, non or in assists as well and has twice as many expected assists Conte just in my opinion is an overall better player than Rodri and although Rodri's been playing really well this season I just I don't really think it's a comparison I think Conte is just a level above
0: yeah well I, I would agree that Conte is a better player overall but it matters the system of course you, you mentioned the where uh Rodri is exceeding conte is it that those passing stats right because that is what city are they're a very passing team they hold possession and, and pass the ball around knock it around yeah but i think
1: um, i think that's more a product you know that's a pro so that's a product of roger playing for city and this is a product of conte playing for chelsea because he's having to play tucco ball <laughs> which you like to hammer on all the time
0: yeah i do you're right you're right no, I I think it's a, a really good argument because, as I said, prior to the season, no-brainer. This season, Conte has not been as great. Obviously, he hasn't been playing as much either, so that's not going to that, – that's part of the reason. Um, and Rodri has just been absolutely incredible this season. But I, I can't really argue that Conte would get into the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it depends if you're – I mean – on form, you can say, Roger, but I mean, it's, Conte's only made 12 Premier League appearances so far this season. But in general, I think N'Golo Conte is an absolutely world-class player, one of the best midfielders I've ever gotten the pleasure to watch. Um, and I think, in, in my opinion, you put Conte, Kane, and Sala in that City team. Oh, dear God, that would not be fair.
0: <laughs> well, it wouldn't be fair, which is why it will never happen, right? That, is, that, would, that would be unbelievable.
1: All right, Justin. So let's move on to, we have a second question from Abi, and this is a fantastic question. And we've prepared a little bit for this one. Um, He he says at the moment, Arsenal, West Ham Spurs and United all seem to be competing for that fourth spot. What January transfer would it take for each team to convince you that they are the clear favorite to take that fourth spot, Justin? So I think we've prepared uh, at least one player for each club. Let's start with Arsenal, Justin, Um, Obviously, we talked a little bit last week about transfers for top six clubs and whatnot. Um, So, to convince you that they are the front runner for fourth place,
0: who did you put down for Arsenal? It has to be Dusan Vlahovic. It just does. But the thing is that the reason that it would convince me is because I don't think Vlahovic is even interested in Arsenal. And so, if they were able to pull it off and convince him that – he's he's the, the this is the team for his future right that would be impressive that would show me that their ambition that would show me okay they're really gonna push and get into the champions league because if if they signed Vlaovic and didn't that would be just a, a major disappointment so for me Vlaovic is the guy that would uh just prove to me that they're gonna make top four but partly because i think it's so unlikely to happen at this point
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's really unlikely as well, especially when there are reports that came out today saying that he's demanding 300K a week, uh, which is insane, um, especially for a 21 year old, right? And the thing is that I still think it would take a little bit of time for him to adjust to the Premier League. Obviously, supremely talented, and he will score goals, but I don't know if he could come straight into the squad and get them right in, in fourth place immediately. So I've gone for what, you know, I. I don't want to be a more realistic option, but I think it is, and I've gone for Dominic uh, Calvert-Lewin, Justin. Yeah, there it is. Um, I just think he would be, you know, he he's been playing in the Premier League since he was 18. Um, I think he could slot pretty seamlessly in and score goals wherever he goes, and he's a ready-made upgrade on Aubameyang and Lacazette, um, you know. And so I, I I think if they manage to get him, which is not going to happen, it's not, uh, but neither is Vlaovic, in, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> It, I, I think that would be enough because that kind of target man, that person who can, you know, you can really play off of Calvert-Lewin, he's so supreme in the air. Um, and, and I think that he would be, I mean, I think he's, he'd, he'd be fantastic for any team. I think he could go to City and smash it, to be honest, because he's just, he's that, you know, naturally, physically gifted and has really good eye for goal and instincts. So I've gone for Calvert-Lewin for Arsenal, but it's not happening. He's staying.
0: Yeah, I, neither of these are happening, unfortunately. You, you bring up a good point, Vlahovic. In the Premier League, not so – and it's, it's a question because it seems he is preferring a move uh, within Serie A or to La Liga, which – It's because he knows he can cut it in Serie A. <laughs> exactly. That, that's, that's the question, right? To me, because I've always thought if I'm a young player and I'm breaking through and I'm one of the top, you know, targeted guys in the world – I would want to go to the best league in the world, which is clearly the Premier League right now. Yeah. But I understand if you want to stay at home, which is, of course, why Ferran Torres left Manchester City for Barcelona, going back to his home country, even though Barcelona are in a, a, a bad time, which, by the way, they're finally able to register Ferran Torres because they signed Umtiti to a new four and a half year deal and, and he took a wage cut.
1: Every Barca fan is like, I've won but at what cost Um, stuck (laughs) at the club for another four and a half years. That's mental.
0: That's funny. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, he's 28. By the time he's off that contract, he'll be almost 33 years old. Even though he's taking a wage cut, I guarantee you he'll still be overpaid for the amount of output that he's putting into the squad. Just like pretty much every single other player on Barcelona's books. Um, so, yeah, they, they can register Ferran. So, short, short-term game, but keeping Umtiti on the books for four and a half years is a massive L for Barcelona, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he definitely has not been performing as of as of recently. Okay,
1: um, we got to move to the next club now. Yeah, I was going to uh, say,
0: we can move from one North London club to the other. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, who, who do you have got there?
1: Um, so, I kind of tried to go relatively realistic with this one, just in terms of who they're actually targeting. Because to be honest, we know that they're trying to sell in Dombalay. We know they're trying to sell Stephen Bergvine who might be going to Ajax mm-hmm. very soon, actually. I think that will be a great signing for Ajax, by the way. Um, yep. So I've gone for kind of the player that they've been rumored, you know, to be looking at the most and a player who I think Conte could could just make very lethal. And that's Adama Traore. I just don't mm. think he, he's been at his best at Wolves. I don't think Wolves is honestly the... The best place for him to excel um but i mean a link up of adama and youngman's son and harry kane is that's frightening
0: oh man you're putting two city killers on one team with triori Tri- 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 and son on the same team now yeah uh yeah no absolutely i mean i think it's a good shout because Triore, of course, is an electric player, extremely fun to watch, but it's that, it's that clinical ability to finish or find the final pass uh, for an assist that he's lacking, and, and Conte could probably you know help him with that, give it to him. So I think it's a, definitely a good shout, and obviously realistic because they're targeting him. I went with another realistic guy, another maybe a little bit less realistic than that, um, but still realistic and, and somebody who Conte definitely admires, um, it's, and it's Weston McKinney the U S international because
1: Mm, that's a good shout.
0: Yeah. Again, this is, it's similar to what I said about Arsenal. If they could pull this off, if they could convince Weston McKinney that Spurs is a better place for him than Juve. Well, Conte himself is in it for the long haul that shows that they're trying to get back into the champions league and, and and really impress. So yeah, I, I think Weston McKinney would be really impressive and would definitely show me uh, Spurs are, are going to take that fourth spot. Although I, I already think they're going to be in that fourth spot if I had to pick yeah, right now.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's why we, that's why we both went with more like realistic transfers because we don't think it's going to take a whole lot for Spurs to potentially get that fourth spot. I don't think it's wrapped up by any means, but I definitely think they have a very good chance with the squad as is, especially if they can get Harry Kane firing, which, I mean, that's kind of a cliche at this point. We've been saying it for about six months, but it's got to yeah, happen. Eventually it's got to happen. eventually.
0: Conte himself has said, this team is simply not ready. We need more players in. Um, and he even said that it's not the January transfer window will not be sufficient for what he believes Spurs need. So that is definitely yeah, interesting. Yeah,
1: and, and he said that after the Chelsea game, like we, we say this about Tuco ball, but Chelsea simply outclassed Spurs in that game. It's just, it's just true at Stanford bridge. Obviously it'll be a little bit different at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium. I'm really interested to see what happens in that game. If, if Spurs can somehow get back in that tie, but at the moment it's not looking great for them, but yeah, I mean, I think Spurs are in a decent position. They obviously are, they're clearing out some deadwood, I think Deadwood is harsh for Indombole. I think Bergvine has not panned out the way they would have wanted. As I told you in a text the other day, Justin, he peaked in on on his debut and it's been downhill since then. (laughs) It's true. To you yeah, to to your demise.
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. But
1: um I I think you know, getting in, getting in and and Bergwijn out the door, they'll get some decent money, and then I'm very intrigued to see who they will be going after in the summer. I think you know it could be a big summer for Tottenham.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, after getting Conte and assuming he's there there for the long haul, he's Daniel Levy better back him. Yeah. Oh, seriously. And then we can move on to Manchester United. Uh, this is an interesting one for me uh, because there there's a couple places that you could you could choose here. Uh, who who have you put for manchester united um so i've kind of gone
1: with the opposite approach to tottenham because tottenham i picked something realistic because i don't think they need a whole lot to be the front runner for the fourth spot because they probably are right now united that's not the case so i've gone big i've gone for the man who we kind of forgot to mention last week justin i've gone for declan rice no, no way we did the same one Okay. I mean, they they need a player of that caliber to get the fourth spot. Let's be honest. Like they're they're simply not good enough as is as, as we both predicted, you know, gonna take a, a while for, for Renick's ideas to come through. And I was not very impressed by them against Villa. I thought Rashford looked subpar. Um, Bruno was all right, I guess. They really, obviously didn't have Ronaldo in this game, but I mean it's an
0: interesting take. I've heard a lot of people on Twitter saying Rashford played really well.
1: No, he just seemed a a step off the pace. He's just not his normal self. Also, I will say, excuse my voice. It's doing some crazy things today. Uh, Yesterday was a wild day of sports for both of us, Justin, with our NFL teams coming down to the wire for getting in the playoffs. So I I am a bit hoarse. I'll just (laughs) disclaim that right now.
0: Yeah, and and as I said, I, I picked Declan Rice as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, a little bit unrealistic, right? Uh, with West Ham actually sitting above Manchester United <laughs> in the table, <laughs> it would be, it'd be a, si- a sideways, if not backward, step in his career, right? Be a, it'd be a massive coup for real, but. <laughs> um it's funny no but uh, Declan Rice is I I don't really understand there's some people who just think that Declan Rice isn't as good as he is which I don't understand he is absolute class and and he would be um incredible on at at Old Trafford so yeah I think but that would cost them what a hundred million so it's just not it's just a bit unrealistic for, I mean, for West
1: Ham. I mean, okay, but Rice isn't going to stay there forever, right? Like he's gonna he at at this point, he's probably already too good for West Ham, despite their success. Do you think he's going to end up going to Chelsea? You know, Conte is thirty, so he could be the replacement.
0: Mm. Yeah, may, maybe so. I, it's a good question. I mean, right now, I don't see him moving. Right now, obviously, but West Ham, I'm sure, are not going to be able to keep this up for the next few years probably uh, they've MSc- already held on to him for a lot longer than we all
1: expected let's be right honest.
0: exactly exactly and, and manchester united have been the team that have been after him for a long time of course but i just right now I'm, I'm sure west ham would be asking too much for manchester united to pay
1: all right justin moving on to the last of the four options it's west ham united um i really struggled with this one i won't lie so who who have you gone with here i'm, I'm intrigued
0: I went, went for a little fun option here because, you know, we, we took a player from West Ham and put him on United. I went the other way. So I went Jesse Lingard. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Obviously,
1: he, former West Ham United player.
0: Right, of course. Uh, And he, he played well for West Ham. He had was in a really good run of form. People can argue it was a purple patch. Maybe it was. Um. But, yeah, I think it would be really interesting. I think he could provide an uh, an extra spark for West Ham Uh. and, and – you know, winger or, I mean, I guess attacking midfield somewhere in there would be the other option that they get. Um, But for the most part, I mean, they have a, they have a pretty good squad.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, they brought in um, Nikola Vlasic in the summer, I think, you know, for, for a reasonable fee, he's a lot younger than Lingard still only like 21, 22, something like that. And so that's why I think, you know, in, in general Lingard, Probably that, I don't think that move will materialize. I kind of, it's really interesting because I was, you know, I was certain in the summer that Lingard would finally be leaving United's bench, but he's still there. Um, and I really wondered like he, surely he's going to be pushing for a move at the end of this season to try to get some minutes before his career is over. Cause he's not getting any younger, but uh, Justin, I've gone for an option kind of out of left field. Um, because we think at the moment he's going to a different team that wears Claret in blue, but I've gone for Luca Dina. Mm. Because they are, you know, West Ham, I think that's the weakest spot in, in their squad. They have Aaron Questwell who's been struggling with injury. He has like a chipped bone in his back or something right now. He hasn't played in, in a couple months. Um, And then the other option is Arthur Masawaku, where they were playing Ben Johnson at left back the other day. So, Luka Dean is serious upgrade on the left back spot there for Cresswell or Masawaku or whoever you want to put. Right. I mean, I think that's the, the case for pretty much every team, you know, most teams in the Premier league, Luka Dean is a up. Is an upgrade on left back bar, you know, city Liverpool? That's probably about it. Um, you know, yeah. obviously, you could talk about Chilwell, but he's out for this season. So, Dinier, he's going to be probably going to Villa, which I think is a great signing for them. Huge upgrade on that target, that's for sure. But um, Certainly. Yeah, you know, obviously, we're talking about Chelsea. is an upgrade on Marcus Alonso, that's for sure. But yep. I think West Ham's weakest position is that left-back spot, and who's an available left-back who they could go get? Luca Dinier, so that's, that's who I put.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Uh, especially, it seems he's ch- Chelsea are not going to get him. Obviously, it seems like uh, Villa are going to get him. Um, but I'm surprised Chelsea didn't go in harder for him. I really am.
1: Yeah, I mean the one thing that I will say, and obviously I'm I'm not happy about us selling Luka Dean in general. Um, just looking at his stats, I put out a tweet this morning um, that he, you know, he's just so integral to the team. Um, but the one good thing about us selling him is that you know. This is kind of the best time. He's about to turn 29. Um, and, you know, there's this whole thing about Everton signing players who are already kind of entering their prime. And then by the time it's time to sell them, they're out of it. They're above 30, and you don't get anything out of them, right? Where at least Luca Dino, you know, we're selling him for a profit, not by a lot, but we're selling him for a profit. And his value will probably only go down from here. Um, I honestly think 25 million, which is the number being quoted um, that Villa are, are looking to pay or that we're looking to get. I honestly think that's on the cheap for a player of his quality, but um, I agree. you know, I mean, cause here, listen to this, Justin, I just pulled up this tweet um, among, so last season, 2020, 21 under uh, Ancelotti um, this season stats, in my opinion, Virginia are, are inaccurate because Rafa Benitez has been forcing him to stay so far back. So his attacking output, Understandably, has dropped a lot. But listen to this, Justin. Among Everton's squad last season, he had seven assists. That's first. His expected assists was five point four. That's tied for first. His expected assists per ninety was 0.18 That's third. His shot creating actions was seventy. That's third. Goal creating actions eleven. That's second. Goal creating actions per ninety. That's second. Passes that uh twelve twelve hundred twenty five. That's second. Assisted shots forty four. Second. Blocks 59. That's third tackles 79. That's first. Like he, he's such an important player to this team, especially creatively and people, the whole myth about, Oh, Luca Dean can't defend. It's nonsense. As I just said, you know, blocks and tackles he's above our center backs. Um, And so I really think Everton need to get a creator in the door because we've lost Justin get this, our top four creators from last season were James Rodriguez an unnamed Icelander. Um, you know, he who shall not be named Luca Dean and Bernard. And, you know, within the next couple of weeks, all four of them will be gone. Um, so where is the creativity coming from? I love Anthony Gordon. I think Anthony Gordon will be an Everton first team player for quite a while. I think he's very, very talented, but he's not ready to carry this entire team creatively yet. Damari Gray is not your chance creator type of winger. He's a get the ball, dribble up people, cut inside, take a shot type winger,
0: you know? So we need someone creative. Absolutely. And then on that topic of Everton, we have a question uh, coming from James Shea. Has Rafa lost the locker room? If Rafa were to go and we had Dunk take over, would these same players perform better in the same system? So Dunk, obviously
1: referring to big Duncan Ferguson, um, who was the interim manager for a brief spell in between Silva and Ancelotti's uh, eras. Has he lost the locker room? i mean i can 't say he 's lost the fan base i 'll tell you that I mean there were a lot of fans obviously who who wrote him off from the beginning due to his history with the red side of the city. Um, that was not myself. I gave him a chance um, and, and we started the season well, um, but over the last couple months there 's just been a string of awful managerial tactical decisions in my opinion. Um, And Rafa's lost me. I'm 100% Rafa out at this point. I do not think he's the man to rebuild this Everton side. Um, Would Dunk take over the same players and have them perform better? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Rafa's been making a lot of impractical decisions, in my opinion. Would Dunk be more practical? Potentially. But at the same time, we think back to that interim spell and kind of one of his big mismanagements that he could have possibly had in, you know, it was only like three games was when he subbed Moise Keane on at old Trafford and then subbed him back off again in second half stoppage time. Instead of just taking off DCL who was gas. He was like, Oh, well, I just needed to bring on one more player to kill time. It's like, Oh, well then why would you bring off the player who you already substituted on a 19 year old who you're destroying his confidence. He walked straight down the touchline in, into the locker rooms and, um, So I don't think Duncan Ferguson is the man permanently. I would be totally fine with him being interim for like the second half of the season. I think he'd keep us up, but um, he's not the man to to bring Everton forward as a permanent first team manager. I'm totally cool with him being an assistant coach for the rest of his life, though. I'm down with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. I don't know about Duncan Ferguson, but I, to me, what I credit Duncan Ferguson is, is DCL's rise, right? He's teaching him how to head the ball and win headers as, as well as he does. I mean, incredible um, for, for Everton there. But as far as being a better manager than Rafa Benitez, I don't know. Uh, as far as him losing the locker room, I don't know because it's, I, it's not that I don't see Everton, like, I don't, I don't, it's not that they're not trying the way that you talk about United, right? Where they're just kind of walking around the pitch. They're not putting full efforts in sometimes it's not, I don't, I don't necessarily see that as much with Everton players. It's just that the system no, I mean, is look at work-
1: Townsend's out there playing with a broken foot, right? Like there's exactly
0: desire. right. And so that's, that's generally what I think when I think of a manager losing the locker room is that the players just don't want to play for him anymore, which I don't necessarily see on the pitch. Um, so I, I guess I would say no, uh, but certainly he has lost the fan base of, of course. Uh, there.
1: And and rightly so, in my opinion. I think he deserves all of the criticism that he's been getting because quite frankly, you know, he says, oh, we've had injuries. There's These are problems that I've inherited, but that's not true because you look at the drop-off from last season to this season. The squad is, you know, there's less Deadwood. He's brought in some good players. Damari Gray, upgrade from winger options we had last year. Andres Townsend, not a bad player whatsoever. Anthony Gordon has become much more influential than he was. I think he has as good, if not a better squad than Ancelotti did, uh, to be honest. Um, yet we're 14 points behind where we were last season. We ranked like 17th in all of these stats, like winning. He, he, he said he's literally lie, been lying to the fan base. Pardon my voice crack. He's been lying to the fan base. In his last press conference, he was saying, oh, you know, if you look at my teams, analyze my teams tactically, we like to attack and win and press high and win the ball in the final third and create – uh, shooting chances, but you look at us and we're 17th in the league for winning the ball in the opponent's third. Like that's just (laughs) bull crap. It's just not true. Um, and all the stats just show that, you know, literally there's this, uh, Matt tactically Everton, fantastic Twitter account. It took him about five minutes to go through and just find some stats, which completely blew up all of Benitez's claims about how his teams play, which just was not true. He was just straight lying. And, um, I think that that whole city game could have been, should have been so much easier, but you know, leaving Rondon on the pitch for 117 minutes when he's offering nothing, you have Lewis Dobbin who is a young 18 year old has been smashing it in the Premier League two for years now. And he hasn't signed a contract yet. He has six months left. We're desperately trying to get him to sign a contract so we don't lose him for free. Right. And he doesn't sub him on until the 105th minute. And everyone on Twitter is like, Rafa, you should have started him. And Rondon offered nothing in this game. If anything, he just screwed up a bunch of chances we had on the counterattack. And then you leave him on for 117 minutes. It just doesn't make any sense, man. As I said, it was a comedy of managerial errors. And I, and I wrote an article about it on Grand Team. If you guys want to go check out my whole analysis of how much of an idiot Rafa Benitez is. so. <laughs>
0: And then we can, we can go from uh, Everton to another team that Rafa Manitas has managed. And Ooh, it's a question. Thank you. It's a question that uh, was, was talked about often when Newcastle were taken over, right? In how long do you think Newcastle will be challenging for the title slash top four? This question comes from guess what?
1: So, obviously, we've, we've seen them trying to do some business um, in January. It's, it's not come particularly easy, but they are looking to get Diego Carlos um, in through the door, which would be a, a big signing for them. And then Sven Sven Botman's looking less likely to happen as time rolls on. Um, I think it's going to take them a while. I think it's going to take them a while. You know, right, when City were taking over, the real, only real competition – were Arsenal and, and United at that point. They were, Those were the two dominant teams. Chelsea was kind of breaking their way in a bit at, at that time, um, right? They ended up winning the Champions League a few years later. But it took City, what, four years to win a title? It's going to take Newcastle at the very earliest twice that to win a title. I'm, I'm saying it's going to take them at least 10 years to win a title, personally.
0: Yeah, t- title and top four are definitely different questions here because yeah. of competition uh that that you see around here yeah it's when chelsea were taken over of course the the ffp rules were much looser and so uh, i don't know and so they were able to just pour cash flow in uh and and rise up quicker similar manchester city a little bit uh more in the middle um but yes as you say well city
1: also but city city also you know did the whole etihad deal which is kind of like an inside sponsorship and then at a rate much higher than everyone else in terms of sponsorships. There's a lot of owners who are trying to make sure that doesn't happen. So Newcastle can't just get sponsored by some Saudi owned company who pay them four times as much for the sponsorship as, you know, a a market average. So that also will be something they are unable to do that city was.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, those, those sponsorships are of course analyzed for market value and see if they're uh, accurate or not. Um, which if, if cities was actually uh, ruled to be pretty accurate over the, over the 10 year period that the uh, it was signed because of how quickly city rose, right. To be a top team. So- yeah.
1: Well, within 10 years of when it was signed, yes. But when it was signed, I don't believe that, but I just think, you know, money is money. And it, at, at the end of the day, Newcastle will probably be able to get away with more than we think they will. Cause that's, it's a, it's a money industry. That's how it works.
0: Yeah. So your, your double thing was uh, about what I was going to say for top four, I think about eight years would be for, for top
1: four, for
0: for top four. Okay. Top four. I think they
1: might get top four a little before that.
0: Potentially, potentially. I think they have to be able to do it within eight years though. Uh, And then, and then, yeah, I think eight years or earlier and then title, I think 10 years or more because title, you just really never know. I, I mean, I think eventually, you know, they're going to win a title. Um, because just the amount of money that they have right they're so much richer than every club in the world at this point but yeah i think that probably 12 13 years they'll win a title but it, it could happen faster you don't know it just depends on how how fast they can bring in players where it depends how they on can... the
1: recruitment it depends recruitment on... exactly yeah it de- and it depends on how well they can give sales pitches to bring players in obviously they're going to be Having, you know, paying players a lot. Players know they have a lot of money. That's going to be one of their main incentives to bring players who are honestly too good for the club in its current state to get those in. I'm sure they're doing that with Diego Carlos. They're going to pay him a ton of money, kind of similar to what City did with Aguero. Obviously, City was an up-and-coming club, but, you know, Aguero was one of the hottest talents in, in the world, young talents, and he came to City. And so it's can they get, you know, someone who will be their Aguero, a striker who will end up taking them to the heights that they want to reach, you know it's so it's going to be about recruitment. They're going to have a lot of money to spend, so they're going to have a large margin of error in terms of how many of those signing, how many signings they can make that don't pan out the way they will. But if they can get the ones that will, you know it, it could be sooner because there are times where clubs have dips, and you know I, City won't be invincible forever. United are very poorly run, so I could see Newcastle usurping United within. You know, seven years, something like that. So, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, to see it to see it play out, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it really is. And then, yeah, it, it has to do with manager too, right? Because I never thought that Eddie Howe was the guy that would draw these big names. Uh, it's kind of no, that inter- It's kind of it's kind of an interim guy, and and maybe the next guy, Eddie Howe can bring him mid table, and then they can bring in a, a better manager who can really draw those those players uh, to the tub. Um, And, of course, it helps that they have a massive fan base. I mean, a a really historic club, uh, huge fan base, big Big stadium. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's a lot of things working for Newcastle. But as you say, it's the recruitment because Chelsea and City had more of a luxury to they could have some of those misses uh, for for their signings. And they would be able to uh, deal with it and take those hits. Newcastle, it won't be as easy for them to do that. All right, Justin, we have one more question. This is a
1: real punt. It's from Father Diaz. He says, <laughs> early World Cup predictions. I mean, we are, in, we are now officially in a World Cup year, Justin. That is exciting, although it is not until November because corruption. So, uh, early World Cup predictions. Here's what we'll do, Justin. How far do you think, assuming the USMNT qualify, knock on wood. Um, knock on wood. It looks like it's far- going to happen. How far will the U.S. make it and who will win the World Cup? Those are our predictions we're going to go for right now.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I think for me, what would be a success for the United States is getting out of the group. Um, yeah. It, it, which is, of course, it just depends on what group you fall in. Of course, it's really important, obviously. Um, but yeah, it certainly looks like the U.S. will make it back to the World Cup uh, after missing out. And I think that, yeah, just getting out of the group would be impressive. Winning a game in the knockouts would just be unbelievable. I mean, that would be
1: – That's a dream. That's a that's,
0: – Yeah. It's – it's. I, I, it's if I were
1: to put money on it, though, right now, screw it. I'm saying the U.S. will advance out of their group. Because I'm just thinking if we got out I of agree. a group with Portugal and Germany in 2014 with a much worse team than, than we do now, why not? Why can't we get out of the group stage? As long as we don't get put in, you know, group of death a la – that group of in the euros, which was Germany and France and Portugal, all in the same group, you know,
0: Portugal might not even make it right. So yeah, which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to see, but yeah, definitely. And then as far as winning it, it's, it's a good question because it's, it's really hard to predict. I think that you have to obviously put France there. You have to put England there. You have to put Germany there probably as well. Um, Belgium, in my opinion, are probably past it. Last, last yeah, World agree. Cup was probably their chance. Uh, their golden generation's really getting old at this point. Uh, their defenders are are pretty old at this point. Um, Brazil, I just they they I never convinced by them on a, on a world stage. So no, I mean I, they couldn't even win Copa America. Like right, right. So yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I think that you have to just say France is going to win it again because their squad is just so unbelievable. Um, But it it could be Germany, England, if they could pull it off. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. If you had asked me last summer, I would have said France because they seemed invincible. You know, obviously they had, they'd lost the Euros final to Portugal, you know, which was extremely unlucky. I still don't think they deserve to lose that game. And then they kind of ran the table in the world cup um, and I was thinking they would probably run the table in the euros and it's kind of just like on paper. It, that's what makes sense. But then we saw what can happen to France. Right. Um, yep. And they choked big time against Switzerland. They really did. They
0: did. They Which did.
1: makes me hesitant to, to say France. Um, I'm going Germany, Justin. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there. I think Germany are going to, are going to reclaim it. I think we're going to have a flip flop. Um, I just think Hansi flick is a fantastic manager. Mm. Obviously did. Great things in that season with Bayern. Won the treble. Won the Champions League pretty comfortably. Um, and Germany have a lot of really, really talented players. So, just for the sake of not saying France, which is still probably the safest bet, I'm gonna go Germany. Why not?
0: I, I think Germany have to be the second option, as you say. I mean, they probably have the best manager uh, in international football at this point. So that's obviously big. And then, yeah, their their team is obviously stacked. So. Yeah, Germany would be my second um, as well. So definitely a good shout.
1: And I think with that, Justin, that is going to wrap us up for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you again to everyone who sent in a question or a hot take. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's U90Football so that you can send your questions in. Um, I think we're going to keep doing it every week, Justin. We're having a great time doing these. So as long as you guys keep sending the questions in, we will keep answering them. So be sure to go follow us um enjoy the we got some uh, a couple Premier League midweek fixtures um one tomorrow and one on Wednesday and then we've got that first leg semi-final on Thursday between Arsenal and Liverpool so enjoy watching those should be uh some good
0: entertaining matches of course on Saturday we have Manchester City Chelsea as well
1: oh right Manchester City Chelsea as well and with that (laughs) we'll see you (laughs) next week